<laughs> Good afternoon. Good night. I'm Tiff. I'm Tim. And welcome back to Tiff and Tim and True Crime. Where two friends meet to talk about what? True crime? Period. Get into <laughs> it. Like, that's it. Um, If you're new, thanks for joining us. If you old, what it do? Yeah, hey, welcome back. We're excited to see you and, you know, I hope you're excited to see us too. Right. Or and hear us as uh, well. That too. If you're noticing, yes, the background is back to Tiffany's house because we are at Tiffany's house today. Yeah, if you're watching. Yes, if you're listening. We're probably still the same. Still should sound like two people talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, just want to say um, happy Black History Month. Yes. Happy Black, hash, black History. Yes. Well, we don't need the month in there. Like, just like happy Black History. Yes, come on. We are... Decorated out in Black History Apparel. Shout out to Target. This is not sponsored. It's not, but if we just you, love Target. Oh my God, Target is my therapist, y'all. I can go in there and spend a check. Like you do not leave Target sad <laughs> unless they can have something you need, <laughs> right? Because see, then now I gotta go to Walmart, but they could too. I just would prefer to go to Target, but um. So shout out to them for you know having all these black artists from different different HBCUs and different clothing designers make their apparel for their Black History Month section. So really appreciate it. We gotta order all your stuff online at this point because there's nothing in the stores. <laughs> but um, our case today is also gonna be tied into Valentine's Day as well. So um, shout out to all the couples out there. Shout out to the people who are dating themselves. Um, period. Because my rich doctor is somewhere out here. <laughs> but, you know, to me, church was a time and space where I know I went to go rejoice with the Lord. I'm finna go to vacation Bible school, which was that. I love vacation Bible school. Like, that was so fun. Um, it's a place where you go to fellowship with your loved ones and to hear the pastor give their sermon or who, wherever you hear the word from with, you know, whichever religion you celebrate. Um, but what if I told you, and hear me out, y'all, what if I told you that your own pastor could be swallowed up in lies and scandal? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I mean, the type of scandal where it involves murder. Oh, murder. <laughs> And this story today is about how one devoted pastor, Minister Nathan Luthold, became the center of a murder that will rock his Valentine's Day for the rest of his life. So sit back, relax, because it is about to be a what with this case, Tiffany? I'm fine with this case. Period. <laughs> Sound effects coming. Hold off on it. Don't send for me. <laughs> so Nathan Luthold Hold was a minister from Perea, Illinois, and was often described as a being a really good person. He was a father to three beautiful children, and overall, he was just a simple family man who was serving God in any way that he possibly could. His Denise, who was 39 at the time, she was the mom of his three children, and he mentioned that she was an amazing person and such a kind heart. He also stated that she was pretty much the backbone of the family. Nathan and Denise actually met in high school, 
But the but Nathan had been not eyeing her since the third grade. Mm. But he didn't have the courage to actually go up and speak up speak to her until they had got in high school. After high school, they immediately got married and they decided to sell everything and move in with Denise's parents because they wanted to save up enough money to start doing missionary work in Lithuania. I think I'm pronouncing so they have um they were very active in their Lithuanian, oh my god, oriented church. And before they had children, they did missionary work for like 15 years. They would travel back and forth in between overseas and the US. <laughs> yeah, so while they were doing their missionary work, when they would come back to the U.S., they would also bring back women with them as well, women who were in mm. abusive relationships. They would try to help them, you know, relieve themselves from their relationship and to find a better life. Uh, after Even after they had three children, they still continued to do the missionary work. Not as much, but they did still continue to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will say though, when you said just they brought back women. Yeah. <laughs> it was to help them get out of an abusive relationship. Red flags immediately was spiraling. Like um, they were like, I'm done. I was like, bring back women, what are they doing with these women? But then, you know, you said what you said. So good deed, you know, shout out to them. One of the women that they did bring back was Annie Doberlate. I think I totally said her name wrong, but so I'm so sorry. Um, while Nathan and his family were engaged in missionary work in Lithuanian, Lithuania, they first encountered Anne, uh, um, and she, you know, frequently helped out with the Luthold's kids because, you know, she and her mother were quite active in the church. The Luthold sponsored Annie as a exchange student who was interested in music and ministry work when they were about to return to the United States. So Nathan had a very long-term relationship with the young woman after quickly developing developing an obsession with her. And as Tiffany stated, he can clearly be very, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Obsessed? Because he was obsessing with his wife since the third grade. <laughs> so, sir. Anyway. Annie, when... Okay, so Annie, when she was six, she was brought brought her to the U.S. when she was 18. So if you didn't hear that, he was obsessing with Annie, and she was six at the time. Oh, wow. They then brought her back to the U.S. at 18. So they've been obsessing since she was six. No comment. Yeah, but at the time, I think he was just, the obsession was very much like he just wanted her to be with the his own kids. So, but brought her back when she was 18. So, they would go to the spa together, actually. So, they do these things. So, in fact, Nathan, Denise, and Annie went to the spa a lot. But the spa attendant didn't even know that Nathan was married to Denise because uh-huh. he was at the spa with Annie more than his own wife. Yeah. Nathan bought several gift certificates for his wife from the spa. She said of her relationship with Nathan that he paid her expenses. He took her on trips to Europe. 
she he went 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 shooting and exercise together. Oh wow! But she claimed they never stayed overnight with each other. Oh. She also said that Denise never went with them when they did these things together. Mm. Annie claimed it was because Denise could take could talk in Lithuanian, but no one could prove that. Adding that Nathan was the only one that she could talk to in her native tongue. But when Annie came to the U.S., she attended college in Florida before coming to Peoria, where she spent some time at Illinois Central College before attending a school in Chicago. While in Peoria, she helped with Luthold's children and she gave them piano lessons. Fun fact, Peoria was not that far from Belleville, Illinois, where I lived at. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> but uh, the morning of Valentine's Day, Nathan actually woke the kids up and got them bathed and ready while Denise made the kids breakfast downstairs. Uh, not downstairs, but you know what I mean. And made it <laughs> in the kitchen <laughs> for the family after they were ready. The kids were allowed to enjoy Valentine's Day treats. Nathan surprised Denise with chocolate and flowers waiting on the table before they sat down and ate breakfast. After breakfast, the kids were taken to school and Nathan headed to the church while Denise stayed at home. Nathan skipped church, and while the specifics of what he did that, that day were never revealed, and here's what we do know. He drove Denise's car to a park, as told by the police. He often visited and tossed the keys, her keys in a trash can. He returned home after he knew that everybody except his wife would be gone for the day, and he killed her. Wow. He ransacked the house and even took things out of and even took things out of the house, including his two guns, and broke one of the windows to make it look like somebody had broken. Ain't nobody hear this, right? He opened the garage door and left, but no one knows where he went. He killed Denise around 12.30 p.m. February 14, 2013. Nathan Luthold changed his changed into a black hoodie sweatshirt after he parked, parked nearby Robinson Park as he was worried that he was going to be seen by a neighbor. Later on, Janelle's daycare, one of the kids, called Nathan to let them know that Denise had not came and picked her up yet. Nathan then phoned Denise's parents to see if they had heard from Denise, and they told him that she had picked up the phone, but so he offered to pick up their child from daycare. Nathan said that, uh, no, they offered to pick him up, but Nathan said that he could do it. He picked Janelle up, and they went home to check on Denise. Hmm. Yeah. He did a lot in that time frame. He did. And nobody saw him. No one. And he had no cameras back in 2003. None. If you could see my face right now, people, I'm making a face. And the face is giving very much. Mm. But this is when he called 911. And it was around about 3.15 when he calmly called the police. And as soon as he got in the house, his daughter stated that it looked like somebody had broken in. He, stayed, he said that a window had been broken, the garage door was left open. He told them that he wouldn't go inside that house. Meanwhile, you did this yourself. At no point during the 911 call did his voice concern about his wife. 
Nathan showed that the break-in was more important than his wife's since he didn't mention her. Mm. This is unexpected since Denise had not been answering our calls or texts from anybody. And once police arrived and secured the property, Nathan went inside, but only went into the areas where his wife's body was not. Police at first believed that there had been a robbery because electronics had been removed and how everything had been thrown about. But the home didn't show, you know, any signs of disarray other than disarray. Uh, a billfold, no, bifold door was off its hinges near where police found 39-year-old Denise Luthold. Her glasses were a few feet away, her coat was only half on, and a bullet was found tangled in her hair, mm. as were her keys. This was when Nathan told them that he owned three guns, two of which were missing, a 22 caliber Beretta and a 40 caliber Glock. Too many Glockies. Mm. The same gun that had killed his wife, many items in the home, including the kitchen table, the family room, and at least two large jars of change were left undisturbed. Mm. And the couple's bedroom was Denise Luthold's purse, which had a $50 bill and a $20 bill inside. The police stated it didn't fit the pattern of a burglary. Not knowing electronics in the family room weren't missing and kitchen drawers were placed, not dumped, mm. on the floor. Lutho was accused of shooting his wife in her parents' Peoria home so that he could pursue an affair with a 21-year-old Lithuanian woman. He, was, he and his wife sponsored her to study in the United States. But that's not it, y'all. During their investigation, though, the police decided to look into the trunk of Nathan's car. Mm. This was likely after they had discovered that the body and stated and started to suspect that he might be involved. Mm. You got something to do with this man. Right. So inside, they discovered the foreign currency, different security box keys, and multiple fake passports. So they found all that inside of there. Crazy. I'm like, dang. Yeah, so, but after all of that, they checked his phone and they found out that he had been texting Annie, mm. the foreign student that Tim talked about earlier, who they sponsored. He talked to her about how they may have gotten robbed and she put interesting smiley face. That's what she texted him back. Why would you text that? You know what? Yes. I'm going I'm to chuck it up as it was a language barrier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes, and this started bringing a lot of question, questioning towards Nathan because it's like, why would she text you back? Like Tim said, it could have been mm -hmm. a language barrier. He's also searched on Google how to silence a 40 caliber Glock. Yes. Yes, so when it's all said and done, he was pretty much a cold-blooded killer who blew off his wife's head and staged it to look like a fake burglary and went about his day to ensure that he was caught on like CCTV to make sure he had an alibi. The interrogation took took place at 6 p.m. on February 14th at 12.30 a.m. and to 12.30 a.m. on the 15th. Once they got him in the interrogation room, they told him that his wife had been killed by a gunshot to the head 
Nathan wasn't the least bit surprised. He was not shocked. He didn't show any emotions. After the six-hour-long interrogation, Nathan was charged with first-degree murder. And since he most clearly is not the nice person, Nathan demonstrated that his first objective was portray himself as the nice person. He had a strong sense of himself and was discussing the effects of his wife's death. He displayed little emotion about her passing. He made an uncharacteristic attempt to dominate the interview and used hostile language. Additionally, Nathan always referred to Denise as his wife. She, but I'm sorry, he always referred to her as she, but never as my wife, my wife Denise, and blah, blah, blah. So pretty much during the interrogation, he just, like I said, showed no emotions, just did not care. Mm. And that's what they pretty much handed him the charge. I would, because if you're going to kill somebody, you need to at least act a little remorseful about right. it. Or or if you're going to play the part, like, make it, you need to be crying. You need to be sad. Right. You need to be trying to seek justice. Right. But if you acting like it didn't happen, of course the police are going to be, they're going to be on you like white on rice. Yes. Which is what they were. Because Lutho would have, had denied that he shot his wife. His attorney argued that someone broke into this house. He said prosecutors didn't prove their case against his client, and there was no proof that Lutho and the Lithuanian woman were having an affair. Mm -hmm. They used the emails he had sent to her as evidence in the prosecution of the case, mm -hmm. but the trial only lasted six days and had more than 40 witnesses. While Nathan didn't take that stand, Annie did. Oh, She claimed that the two were not lovers and called him her mentor and employer. But that's what I call my sugar daddy too if I had one. Um, done. During her time on the stand, she stayed out talking through a translator, which she got frustrated with. But by the end, she was speaking English without a problem. Mm -hmm. You heard me. So now, out of nowhere, you speak, you speak, you speak fluent English? Mm. No, dude. And so, speaking at times through a translator and other times by herself in English, she described her relationship with Nathan as one in which he paid her expenses, took mm -hmm. home trips to Europe, went shooting with her as well, and, you know, doing all these things. And, you know, she did it because she was, you know, you know, I guess in love. But they asked, did you ever tell him you were in love with him? Asked the Peoria County State's Attorney Jerry Brady. And he said no. Mm -hmm. Brady also showed uh, many emails written by the defendant to her in which he vowed to work harder at their relationship. The email oh, sent, wow. yes, the email sent January 18th of 2013 starts off with the statement, I let you down. It continues from now on, I want to do all that I can for you and this relationship. I am so blessed to have you in my life, mm. said the email, which was sent about a month before Denise was found dead. Mm. But defense attorney Hugh Toner used that testimony to refute that. Nothing that she didn't have a driver's license at the time. Uh, he noted that she didn't have that time. Nathan also would drive her to the spa, pay for the joint account. Joint account? Toner also noted that 
there wasn't a citizen, so she wasn't, so it was easier, it wasn't easier for her to get a bank account with another person. Well, it was easier for her to get a bank account with somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, when asked by Brady why Denise Lupo's name wasn't on the account, uh, Dubliate said flatly that Nathan was her sponsor. Mm -hmm. That's what I said earlier, sugar daddy. Sponsor, same thing. Her legal bills were being paid by Nathan. And actually, no, her legal bills were being paid by Nathan's parents, excuse me, who also told her not to talk to the police at all. The crime scene technician testified that she saw a scruffy Nathan walking toward his home about 12.20 p.m. the day of the crime and away from the Robinson Park where Denise Luther's car was found. And excuse me, that was a witness that said that they saw him. Yeah, so day two of Nathan's trial, murder trial, he be began and ended with the same handwritten note written by his slain wife in which she accused him of wanting her dead and being unfaithful. The note was found, yes, in her day planner in the couple's bedroom. She pretty much blasts Nathan for running around with a 20-year-old and humiliating her. Mm. She also wrote saying that she thought that she, he thought that she was a bad mother to the three children and didn't love her after the 17 years of marriage. And she said, I really don't think there's anything I have done or not done to deserve this. I have never been good enough or done enough for you. I know you want me dead. I'm not stupid, but I'm not that brave. I quit and I will not please you anymore. No more of that game, the note said. If I haven't pleased you in 17 years, then nothing I will do will do it. Period. Nathan claimed to have wanted, and this is not the note anymore. Nathan claimed to have wanted, waited in the closet for his wife and then shot her once in the head. That's what actually an inmate said named David Smith. He was serving a 14 year sentence for a cocaine eviction. And apparently, Nathan pretty much told this David guy everything. David had said that in part of an agreement with the prosecutors, he will be reduced, uh, his sins will be reduced by 10 years if he testified against Nathan. He claimed that Nathan approached him shortly after arriving to the jail in March and asked for his opinion. He also quickly trusted uh, David and the two talked for hours every single day. After each conversation, David would go back to his cell and write down everything that Nathan had told him. On September 2014, the jury deliberated for only 90 minutes Damn. and returned with a guilty verdict for first-degree murder. He was sentenced to an 80-year sentence term. The judge, Kevin Lauch, offered a gut-wrenching speech before rendering his sentence. He stated, I have to give you credit. You have led a law-abiding life, and for many years, you did really good things. But you have poisoned it all. He also went on to say that it was shameful that he killed his wife in her parents' home, a place that she and her children considered to be a happy place. Mm -hmm. He also calls him a thief for taking Denise away from her children and her family. Nathan also filed a post-trial motion to the and the court denied it. 
He appealed it, but on 26, December 2016, three judges actually rejected Nathan's appeal as well. As they should. Yeah. Because, sir, you, you did it. You, like um, his wife said, you, you, she wasted 17 years of her life for you to be running around with a 20-year-old who is from another country. Yeah. If you wanted to leave it, you could have just said that. Not for real. And left. But you're taking these kids, too. Because we went half on them. So they're both our responsibility. And that's ridiculous. Well, you know, hopefully, you know, he is in jail thinking about everything that he has done and all the hurt that he has caused both these people now, the Miss Ann E and, you know, the wife's family as well. Well, you know, I'm Tim. I'm Tiff. And remember, we are two friends who came to talk about true crime. And please, if you are new, please, you know, follow us, like, share us on Instagram. It's our same name handle. And also be on the lookout for our YouTube videos as well, because they will, they are coming pretty soon. So, you know, if you're able to listen to them and you'll also be able to hear us as well. So be on the lookout for the next episode. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Bye. Bye. Yeah.